I'm Joe Italic. My life is driven by one burning question. What would it mean for me if I looked at life through the lens of love? In my pursuit to answer that question, I'm sparking conversations with thought leaders, change makers, and risk takers who are exploring the undeniable possibilities when we look at life through love. It is my intention that these conversations will help you find your own answers to that question too. Welcome to the Lens of Love Podcast. Welcome back to the Lens of Love podcast. Today is a love bomb episode. And not ironically, but succinctly, I have come across an amazing gentleman who actually started his own love bombs across the planet. And his name is Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. Um, Jeremy's mission um, has three pillars. And it's to make kindness cool, empathy popular, and compassion commonplace. And as a part of that purpose, he has engaged in some, gosh, just some incredible, meaningful work. Now, I've gone on his website, and he has written some very thought-provoking articles. Y'all have to definitely check it out. Um, he hosts uh, retreats and workshops all across the world. Um, he's a TEDx talk speaker. Uh, he hosts his own podcast called The Long Distance Love Bombs. And he is the author of the book, It'll All Be Okay and You Will Be Too. Um, he has a thriving coaching practice. And if all that doesn't blow your mind, one of the things that drew me to Jeremy is he is a spoken word artist whose viral videos will absolutely move you and touch you. And he is here today. So, Jeremy, what is happening, my brother? Man, I'm stoked to be here. And thank you for the, uh, the comprehensive introduction. <laughs> I'm like, man, I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And when I say meaningful work, that was really apparent to me. You know? Thank you. Touching so many facets of the human journey. And just the snippet that I was able to grasp in getting to know you. So I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm happy and to be here. Yeah, I want to jump in to actually your mission, right? The notion of, you know, making kindness cool, empathy popular, and compassion commonplace. Because in the notion of making it, one could look the opposite direction and say, so it's not. Right. So you want to make it. So why isn't kindness cool? And why isn't empathy popular? Or why isn't compassion commonplace? Yeah, it's a good question. And I've, I've had this asked to me um, occasionally as well of like, no, kindness is cool. We don't have to make it cool. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I totally agree with you. <laughs> I think more what I'm interested in is, um, is the, the broader recognition or the wider cultural or societal acceptance of these ideals as being uh, beneficial, widespread, popular. 
I think right. deep down we all know that compassion is great and we all appreciate the idea that kindness is a really powerful thing. But I feel like sometimes these topics can be lost amidst the chaos and the, the complexity of our everyday experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and then I know that many times that we speak from our own experiences, our, our own pain, our own darkness, and it's those circumstances and hardships that many times, you know, it gives birth, right, to how we actually serve the world. Mm -hmm. So share with me your own, I, I call them woke moments, the things that kind of shifted you, right, from and, and led you to this work. Yeah, I like that woke moments. And I, I agree that I think that our pain is like a gateway to our passion or a, a door or an invitation to our purpose. Because often what makes you feel the most sadness or feel the most anger is often something that you'll devote your time and energy, energy towards fixing, repairing, addressing. And so I think in that way, our past trauma and our past experiences can be a really powerful outlet if we choose to channel those memories and lessons into something that's proactive and positive uh, for the world. And so for me, like the main story that I tell that I, that I talked about in my TED talk is, uh, is I was sitting in this airport years ago and I was waiting for a flight and I was kind of just zoning out people watching, which I love to do, side note. Yeah. I mean, people watching in an airport is just divine. <laughs> and, uh, and so I saw this woman and she was talking on the phone and she was sitting by herself and she was crying and she was crying a lot. Like it wasn't just like a you know little moment. It was like a powerful thing that was happening. And, um, and she put the phone down and I watched her and she just was kind of sobbing alone. And then I looked around her and she was surrounded by people, like at the gate, right? I mean, dozens, if not hundreds of individuals around her, staring at magazines and telephone screens, minding their own business. And then amongst all of that was this woman who was isolated and alone, just crying and having a breakdown. And in that moment, I just felt really connected to her and I felt really bad for her and I wanted to do something to help. And so I wrote on the back of my card, uh, like a business card, it'll be okay, and you will be too. Oh. Uh, yeah, I just walked up to this lady, and I, I like gave her the card, and I gave her a little pat on the back, and we made eye contact for a very brief moment, and then I turned around, and I walked away, and I refused to look back. I was walking away, and I was so anxious and nervous. Of like, oh my God, what does she think of me right now? This is crazy. Is, does she think that I'm giving her my phone number amidst like this <laughs> breakdown that she's having. And, uh, um, and so, yeah, I, I got on the airplane and, um, and just started thinking about, you know, why, like, why is that okay? Why is that acceptable in our society for a woman or an individual to just silently sit alone and have this really painful and traumatic experience? And like, why is it not okay why is it not popular to go and ask if she needs a hug, if she wants to talk, if um, to be reminded that she's not alone? And I sort of just started daydreaming about what that kind of world might look like and what that sort of world 
would like like how to get there like what a revolution um could create i suppose of kindness that was one like woke moment where i was like hang on i think that we can do better than this like this just doesn't make sense to me like why is this a thing why is this just like okay to ignore other people and i think the real powerful thing that i realized is that i've been that person in the airport you know my Mm -hmm. airport was a school or a workplace or a conversation. But like, I've been that isolated, ostracized, you know, alone person and, and it sucks. And we've all been there. And I think that that common theme of recognizing we've all been in the suck and we've all been hurt and we've all been heartbroken and we've all had tragedies, find us and deaths and all those things. Like that's what unifies us. Yeah. Wow, man. I, Ooh, that just really hit me. I heard, of course, I watched your TED talk. But as you just spoke it right now in this moment, mm-hmm. I, I pictured you. I, actually, you had an illustration, I think, right? Mm-hmm. On, right? Yeah, but, we had like a cartoon. Yeah, but as I'm looking at you on the screen and you're telling that, it really like touched me. It was like, man, you know, to no intention to interrupt the pattern that she was in, but it was kind of like love, you know, led you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And, and it's just like, I think it's so powerful to remember that, that we are not alone. And I right. think a lot of people, we get into these dark places and these sort of negative thought patterns and beliefs and we, and we get into these places and we forget that we are part of a collective. We forget that everyone around us is doing the best that they can also. And we forget yeah. that we forget that we can help each other out. And then it doesn't necessarily require thousands of dollars or hours of time. It can just be like a little pat on the back or like a little fist bump or a little keep going, keep breathing or eye contact, you know, right. Uh, these things can change lives. Absolutely. And it's just really cool to see the connection between another humans who is experiencing, you know, pain, potentially turmoil and, and how it, it touched you to mm. produce continued work. So you guys are attached, even if they're, you don't know each other, you know? Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny to me that like somewhere out there in the world is a woman that had a breakdown in an airport and she's mm-hmm. now animated and in a Ted talk. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's just that. hilarious to me. And uh, yeah. I, yeah. So like, I think in the Ted talk, we made her like a redhead. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> you just never, that's, I mean, that's the other really powerful thing is, is like day to day, moment to moment. You just never know how your life is going to unfold and unfurl. You know, one, one second, I'm just zoning out at my airport gate. And a minute later, I'm having an interaction with the woman. And, you know, that was like 10 years ago. And I'm still talking about it. And it still really profoundly affected me. And um, I, was up at a, I was up at a wedding recently in a jacuzzi, I believe. And somebody, somebody said, tell me a story about a stranger that you'll never forget. And I just thought that was such a, such a cool 
<laughs> like conversation starter. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody kind of laughed, but we each had a story. Like, yeah. oh, this guy that I met or this woman one time. And, um, and I think that's a, just another sort of powerful expression of our inherent connectivity and just the whimsy of life that you never know what's going to happen moment to moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there's, um, I've discovered myself, Jeremy, there are what I call divine nobodies. Right. We don't, we don't know. <laughs> I, you know, we come across them, like you know, a, a waitress or someone who's fixing your car or, you know, that the world will see as insignificant potentially. And mm. I know some of my greatest woke moments came when I've actually like befriended a homeless person. Mm. And this gentleman, and I call him a gentleman because he was a gentle man. I mean, here I'm, you know, I see him, uh, where I live is probably one of the cleanest, I live in Arizona and it's, um, one of the cleanest communities and safest, you know, and here's this homeless guy. I'm like, that's strange. And so he has a cart in a Walgreens parking lot and his cart is like meticulously organized and I'm driving <laughs> and right going, wow. And I, I'm drawn to people who don't have a home. Hmm. So I pulled around, I checked my wallet, I had 30 bucks, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna go talk to him. So I got out of my car and I approached him, and I introduced myself, hi, my name is Joe, and I, I believe his name was Al. And I said, so, like, this is a duh moment. I was like, so are you on the streets? I mean, duh. And, and we had this conversation for a good 10 minutes. I said, you know, do you need anything? And he said, no, I'm good. <laughs> and I was just blown away. And I said, so how long have you been, you know, on the streets? He said, for some time now. And then we connected because I'm from San Diego originally. And he goes, oh, I visited San Diego. He knew not about the city. And you know, we just had a really good conversation. And then I started to think, this is not how I thought this was supposed to go. I thought I'm going to drive up in my infinity and like pull out cash that I have. I'm going to bless this man. He's <laughs> going to say, oh, my God, this guy gave me this money, right? And, then, and he doesn't need anything. And so, you know, in it, I just said, well, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you for your time. And so I went back in my car thinking, what was that about? And so, you know, I, I drove back and as I was driving past him, I just felt compelled to just go up and just give him the money. And I, I, I handed him, you know, the money, he grabbed it. Um, he didn't say thank you or anything, which was fine. But I felt awkward. It kind of felt heavy actually leaving. Mm. And I, then I said, oh my goodness, I got it. You know, I had this lens that I am up here and he is down here because I have quote unquote safety, right? This gentleman was content. You know, I asked him, have you like looked for a shelter or that type of thing? And he said, you know, I like being on my own. And he was extremely intelligent. And he, it was a, he woke me up that day that I was so like full of myself that I was going to, potentially save this man where he really showed me that day that, you know, um, looking through the lens of acceptance where people are 
and he was the one that touched me and um, I'll never forget him. So yeah, the, the folks that we come across in that divine appointment right, and what we can glean from each other is, is really, really cool. I love that, man. I actually had a um, similar experience in, uh, I was living up in Vancouver at the end of last year and I would, I would go to this coffee shop every day just to work. I work online from my laptop and, and I would just see these same homeless dudes. There was like three of them. And uh, I would see them, you know, every day. And, and eventually, yeah, I, like introduced myself. I, I got their names. And, uh, and just then carrying on from there, I would like say hi to them. Like, hey, what's up, Chico? Like, how's it going? And, and eventually, um, like, had a couple very powerful conversations with them. And, and like the one dude, um, he was very uh, guarded. But he said something like, yeah, you know, I, I was in Alaska and then I moved down here with my wife and then everything went to shit. And, um, and I was like, whoa. And, and for me, that was powerful because it made me realize that like, or it reinforced and reminded me that these, these homeless people, like they're, they're people, you know, like, and they're not, they're not bad people. They're not, um, they're not less than us. Like this dude was married and came down here for work. And then suddenly his life just took a very dramatic turn. And I often remind myself that like everybody that I see uh, was a baby once was a toddler that like somebody changed their diapers, somebody fed them, you know, somebody took care of them for years. And we all, we all started from that same kind of place. And that by virtue of this, birth lottery that we enter into the world some of us have far easier paths in life than others but we all are kind of walking along our own path and we're all we're all the same man like we all feel things we all want to be happier we all want to enjoy our lives we all want to feel less pain and yes. uh and i think these kind of grand big perspective unifiers are really powerful way to to create that connection or at least for me to remind myself that like i am not that special and <laughs> like I, I miracle manifest in human form masterpiece all of that and like i'm not that special man like yeah. we're not that different right. we're all genetically like 99.9 percent the same literally yeah right just an odd thing to remember yeah Love that. Love that. Well, you know, for me, it was a big lesson and an inquiry into why am I drawn and have this affinity towards helping the homeless, you know? Mm. And, and it's always been that way. When I was in Southern California, you know, my, my you know, uh, wife at the time, she, why are you approaching these people? And I said, I just, there's just something that I'm drawn to. I mean, these folks don't, yeah, they, they want to be seen. And so as we have those like heart tugs, right? Many times they're a mirror, as you know, of ourselves. And I'm like, well, I've always had a home. And then I thought, what is it about the homeless though? And it came to me that my, my story is around, you know, they say return, returning home to your heart, right? Who you are. Is that for a while there, man, it was like, I don't, I don't feel I have a home, you know, mm -hmm. returning. And so I was 
without my home, which is me, you know? And so as I've discovered love is still the answer is when I found I returned to home, you know? So uh, it is a mirror with these folks for me. And that's why I'm really passionate about the homeless. Mm. Well, I, I want to go back, Jeremy, to the time with the gal in the airport and the note that you wrote. Now I get the connection <laughs> to your book. <laughs> so share how that all evolved. And, you know, I was uh, reading a little bit about the uniqueness, I believe, in the book. Not only is it a read, but there's actionable things you can do, right? So share kind of the concept of it and how that all came together. And yeah, tell us more about the book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the book is called It'll Be Okay and You Will Be Too. And that is the the original note that I, I gave to that one in the airport. And basically the book is a, it's a collection of all the like inspiring, encouraging, optimistic things that I write online. So, so most of my writing is focused through this lens of empowerment. And I like to say that I'm a ferocious, optimistic idealist. I'm a never giver upper. I am like a cheerleader and a champion. Like I just, I'm an inspiration machine. Like I want people to get where they want to go, man. So so a lot of my writing is uh, along those lines. And the the book is, is a small square book. That's a collection of little mantras and messages, things. And, and so basically the pages are perforated, which means that you tear them out. Like I want people to use the book. Like, I don't want you to just read this thing, get some insights, put it on your shelf to collect dust. Like I want you to rip the pages out, literally give them to people, leave them around town, tape them up in your bathroom mirror, like send them to a friend, like hide them in places around the office. And so the idea is that, that people can find inspiring words randomly throughout the day. And the way that that originated was after I was on that plane, when I, when I had that interaction with the lady in the airport, what I did when I got home was I decided that I was going to just start this kindness revolution, like whatever the hell that was, I was going to do it. Right. And I was like, I have no idea how to do this or where to start or whatever. And so I just decided to start as small as possible. And I continued writing handwritten notes on the back of these business cards. And I did that for years and I literally left them everywhere I went in restaurants, in cafes, on boats, underneath windshield wipers, like in piles of fruit at the supermarket. Like I just put these little inspiring words everywhere. And then I called them like my long distance love bombs. And I like the idea that people could just stumble upon a bit of inspiration randomly. And, um, and so that was the original idea. And then, you know, I started a Facebook page. I started an Instagram account. I gave that a Ted talk. I started doing retreats and workshops and all these other things. But, but the core of it originated in that airport with that lady. And then me taking the smallest action possible, which was to just write some notes on the back of a business card. And, um, and again, just reinforcing that theme from earlier that you just never know how things are going to unfold. So years later, you know, I've got a book and the book is the same title as that one original message from the airport all those years ago. And that's just the weirdest fucking thing in the world to me, Joe. And, uh, and I love it, man. It's just <laughs> surreal. 
Uh, yeah, so I got a book out, and you can um, you can get it through my publisher's thought catalog. Uh, and there's links to all this stuff on my on my website and on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, right. that's I awesome. I'm, one, man. Yes, I'm feeling you so much, man. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, all the adjectives you use, I it resonates with me, and you know, just inducing that it's more than even just positivity. There's a level of belief that you have in people and hundred percent and humans and. Oh my gosh. So that is 100% man. Like I get fired up about this shit because, because so, so I should state also like my background is in, um, is in marine biology and environmental science. So like I'm a a recovering scientist. I spent many years working overseas. I worked for the Australian government. I worked for the U S government. Um, I wrote a PhD thesis all about how our brains affect our behaviors and why our attitudes affect our, our actions and all that stuff. And so I learned all this science um, around life and, and how we do things. And, and I get really excited about this because I know and science proves that our brains can be changed. Like we can change our mindset. We can change our beliefs. Our beliefs are choices. And these are the foundational elements about how we experience the world and empowerment is a choice right, right? and and because this is all a choice it, it it just means that we have to make a series of different decisions and those decisions will result in profoundly different lives mm-hmm. right and this yeah. is like true for anybody and so i get really fired up about this like when I coach clients and when I do events, I'm like, let's go. Like, like, you know, like we got, we got some stuff to do here. We've got a planet that needs, needs a bit of love and attention. We've got communities that are struggling. We've got injustices to deal with. Like, let's go. We got some stuff to do and need people kicking ass, man. (laughs) Absolutely. Now I was reading in terms of kind of the science of human behavior Uh, And you mentioned specifically how attitudes affect action and how we can communicate to inspire greater and lasting change. So for someone who's listening, who gets, you know, they're feeling, feeling inspired. They know in, in their body that they want to do something, but there is that block, right? That stuckness, right? What are a few things that you would say as their coach to begin to, you know, examine, look at, do, or be? Oh, man. Joe, you're you're opening Pandora's box here, man. Uh, uh, So so first of all, I I would say to them, like, you are exactly where you need to be. You are not flawed. You are not broken. You are a masterpiece. Like, chill out be gentle, accept yourself as like the here and now, like you're good, right? You're fine. And like, we can do some things to perhaps make your life feel more alive, more vibrant, more bold, more brave, right? So I think a a preliminary step is just getting curious Mm. about new ideas and new perspectives, like opening your mind to the idea that things might be different if you behaved in a different way like getting curious about what might be possible, right? Getting curious about what you truly want from your life and this world. Like, what do you want, right? And then I think 
a second idea would be to um, would be to start taking actions day after day after day, like starting as small as possible and taking the, the smallest step towards becoming the person that you desire to be. So this idea of be it until you are it, right? Mm. So if, if you imagine your biggest, bravest, boldest self, the, the kindest, most generous, most integrity human you can be, thinking about like, what would they do in this situation? Like if they were on my shoulder or in my pocket, listening to me have these conversations, watching me throughout the day, like what would they say? What would they do? And then when we start behaving and acting in alignment with that person, our highest self, mm -hmm. then eventually we start being that person. And the more that we are being that person, eventually we start to recognize that we are that person. And then it just becomes more habitual and less challenging, right? Right. Um, but I think at the core of all of all of these things related to behavior change is our beliefs. Like yeah. our beliefs is is the way that I describe it is our beliefs are choices and beliefs are kind of like the lenses through which we see the world. Like they inform our perspectives, they inform our attitudes, they inform the choices that we make, right? And yeah. so the, the powerful thing about the idea that beliefs are choices is that context and meaning are entirely subjective. And what I mean by that is that mm -hmm. nothing in the world is good or bad. Nothing in the world is hard or easy. Like things just are like life just is. And that isness is like a blank slate. It's like an empty palette and we get to paint however we want to, to paint meaning and context. And so there are ways that you can, you can kind of hack these automated systems operating in your brain. Um, yeah. You can start asking yourself different questions like, how can I use this? What can I learn from this? How can I love this? Why am I grateful for this? Uh, and, and start to shift the way that you view the world around you. Um, so that's, that's a starting point, at least. Man, that was huge. Well, there's a couple things that I heard that were key. Mm -hmm. um, the curiosity, right? Begin yeah. to unpack and deconstruct the belief systems that we live by and that we maybe have defended, right, in our lives. Mm -hmm. The curiosity of, you know, looking at an alternative way to think, to look, to be. So that mm -hmm. was huge. I heard a lot about what you just mentioned in terms of alignment. And I believe it's in that alignment and you use the word habit becomes habitual. So I yeah. believe that's what you're talking about in terms of our ability to reprogram, right? Mm -hmm. And then the just the notion of what did you say, Jeremy, about doing until you are, are be it until you are it. Be it. Be it until you are it. Yeah, I stole that line from my friend Polly McGee. And so I don't, I don't know okay. if she invented it or stole it from someone else, but yeah, that idea of like, it, that to me is a more empowered way to say, fake it until you make it. Because <laughs> you, you shouldn't be faking anything. Like, right. fuck faking. <laughs> just, just be yeah. it. Like, right. like, who do you want to be? Like, be that yeah. person. And it's going to feel so uncomfortable the first yeah. day. It's right. going to feel so hard to have that vulnerable conversation or to 
speak your truth or stand up for yourself or eat the broccoli instead of the ice cream or whatever. Like it's going to feel really awkward and uncomfortable, but it also felt really awkward and uncomfortable the first time you tried to walk. Right. And like you fell down a lot, but you know, you don't see these little two year olds that are like, you know what? Fuck walking. I don't want to (laughs) walk. They, they, they get up every damn time. And like you did that, you listening you know, you fell down so many times, you smashed your head, you cried. And guess what? Like, now you can run. And it's the yeah. same thing with any kind of new behavior. It's, it's awkward and unsettling at first. But the more that you do it, and the more disciplined and focused you are on doing it every day, the more devoted you become to this idea to this process of evolving and expanding into your highest self, like the easier it becomes every day. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And the things that we are desiring, wanting, you know, feel that we need, we had it once. Yeah. I mean, and as in the child that you just spoke about, mm-hmm. right? And, the, and yeah, I learned so much from being with, observing, feeling kids and children. Totally. Yeah, my, uh, my sister has two niece, or my sister has two daughters, and they're both... Uh, like under the age of three. Uh-huh. And uh, I've, I've been visiting family the last few weeks and I've been hanging out with them a lot. And uh, it's so wonderful to, because these little kids, like they don't give a shit what you think. They don't give like, a shit. They're like, I am hungry and I'm going to scream. Like, <laughs> I want to go in the swimming pool now. Like there is no second guessing their truth. Like you know what is happening, right? And that's true of all of us. And, and the powerful thing, that I've concluded from that is that we've learned how to be insecure. We've learned how to judge ourselves. We've learned how to compare ourselves to those around us. Like, like my little nieces, man, that they are, they are not walking around or only ones walking, but she's not walking around in her bathing suit thinking, Oh, my thighs are so fat. And, Oh, this right. the color of this bathing suit just doesn't match my eyes. And oh, <laughs> I don't like the cut or the shape on my hips. Like she doesn't give a shit, man. She just wants to get in the pool, right? Yeah. And so all of these kind of perceived negative ideals around judgment, comparison, shame, guilt, all of it, insecurity, anxiety, like they're learned. Right. And so if they're learned, they can be unlearned. Or Absolutely. you can learn new things that might serve you a little bit better. Right. Yeah. In fact, I don't know. I have a belief that as we are, were that age, that we that's where we began to unlearn who we really are as yeah. the conditioning of, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's culture or race or religion, you know, all those things that kind of shape who we think we're supposed to be. So, yeah, that was awesome, man. Well, in fact, you were. You're a creative, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. It's obvious in the work that you do. And you wrote in, in your website, live a life that would make you jealous. Yeah. Right. And then, and specifically stop feeling stuck, take your power back and create your best life. And so for people who are listening to what is, how would you define your best life? Um, I would say that's a good question. So, so from, it's going to be different for every person, right? Yes. So, yes. You, so your mes- best life might mean running an empire, uh, a corporate empire, or, or maybe just a, 
a real empire. I don't know, Napoleon esque. Uh, you know, and like some people, <laughs> some people want to have a family. Some people want to be an artist. Some people want. We want different things, and I think just starting at that place and recognizing that's totally okay. Yeah. And so for me, like my best life is a life where, like, I laugh a lot, where I feel comfortable being myself, where I feel like I have loving and healthy relationships with people that care about me and having people that I care about uh, doing things that I love doing, making a positive impact in the world, um, like having purpose, seeing new things like traveling for me is one where I, I just love having my mind blown. So, so for me, like experiencing awe and newness and wonder is a, is a part of my best life. Um, doing work I'm proud of, meeting new people like yourself, man. Like, I, for, for me, I think it goes back to, like, we're all just chasing feelings, you know? And mm. we make decisions because we believe that those decisions will make us feel more good and less bad. Like, from a yeah. biological, evolutionary right. perspective, we are animals, and we want to feel more good, less bad. Okay. Yeah. And... You know, it gets complex because of our modern society that tells us that more things equals more good. Uh, and so we chase things that we believe will make us feel good, but they're not lasting, right? And so I think the things that are lasting are things like self-love, self-acceptance, worthiness, connection, uh, inspiration, like, like these kinds of internal motivators. Absolutely. Um, so people listening, yeah, I would say like, like, what do you want from life? Like, what do you love doing? What, yeah. When are you the most at ease? When are you feeling the most free? When does your body, like that, that classic, like when does your body expand the most versus like mm-hmm. contracting and, and shrinking? Like, when do like, you feel like, like just running amok and laughing and feeling like things are great? Like, where's your happy place? Like deep down, yeah. we all know this, you know? Sure. And I think it, it takes a certain amount of bravery to admit to ourselves what we truly want in this life and to admit to ourselves what our truth really is. And then a little bit more bravery to speak that truth into the world. And then a little bit more bravery to take actions towards chasing that truth down that we just set off into the world. And so, so for me, I think my best life at a core is, is inherently related to the bravery to chase my own truth. Mm. Something like that. Yeah, that's a t-shirt right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like be be brave enough to chase your truth. Oh, if that means, if that means, yeah, I want to open a potato farm in Denmark, fucking go do it. If that means, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to quit my job and move to Afghanistan go awesome I don't know why but I'm supposed to call my cousin and just tell her I love her like deep down we have these little I call them heart whispers and uh and or the intuitive pull or hunches or a gut feeling and these things they're they're big road signs that we choose to ignore at our own peril right Mm, and so I think the, the more that we can listen to those whispers like get still get quiet admit to ourselves that we actually want to do this thing as wild and as crazy and as ridiculous and as 
potentially stupid as it sounds, like we have to do those things. Like that's, that's what we're here yeah. for. Okay, Jeremy, I got a, oof, I like what you mentioned. There's a kind of a sentence stem mm -hmm. that you started with, which was, I don't know why, but yeah. that, right? That is universal pull in my yeah. opinion, right? I love it. That yeah. is spirit. That is, I don't know why, but. <laughs> I'm supposed that, to start a podcast. Right, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, but I'm supposed to talk to Joe today. Like, there you go. That's yeah. You got to turn that into something. That's that's awesome. I don't know why. I'm gonna write it um, down. Yeah, I don't know why, but but it's true. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, as we come across people, we hear that. I think subconsciously, or you know, people say, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to da 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 da. Yeah, those are the moments that are like amazing. Yeah. Those are the signs, right? Like those are, those the, are the signs. signs. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting for a sign. You're like, bullshit. You're like, you know the sign. You're choosing yeah. not to read it. You're choosing not to follow it. You're choosing to ignore yeah. it. And that's why your life feels so difficult right now. It's because you're yeah. not living your truth. Yeah, absolutely. I love yeah. It. Well, you know, I started the podcast with a kind of a leading question. And it is, you know, what would it mean for me? if I looked at life through the lens of love and my intention was to meet and have conversations with, you know, thought leaders and change makers, you know, agents of transformation. And I'm just so thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you universe for bringing Jeremy to me. And so I appreciate the conversation today, but I want to tell you, this is a love bomb episode and I want people to experience your artistry and how it's expressed through spoken words. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you, <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Ken, is there something that you can share with yeah. us um, as it relates to either things that we have spoken about, about love, about kindness, you know, or anything that really comes to mind. Yeah. And man. I, I'll give you a minute to, to think about that. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got just like a few, a few ideas. Like I actually just wrote this thing maybe three days ago. I was on a hike and, uh, and it relates to love. So sometimes when I'm walking on hikes, I, I just write things in my head and I just keep playing with them and it just like helps me pass the time and I love it. So, um, I can read that one. And then, um, and then there's like a bit of a longer, more fiery one about how I want to be loved. Uh, and since this is the, the love podcast, you know, and you're, you're Mr. Love, um, you can maybe do those two. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Yeah. So this one is the, uh, this is the short one from, from the hike the other day. Oh, yeah. I'm tired of waiting for you to say, I love you so that I can say it back. Someone's got to go first and someone's always last, but if you're waiting in the back because you're scared about your past, all the pain that love has caused you, all the things that you might lack, or the fear of diving heart first into something that won't last. Just take some time to look inside and see if you'd feel glad to simply say I love you so that I could say it back. So that's that one. Mm. This is like a fun little, fun, I don't yeah. even know what the hell it was, but I, I had that line of like, so that I could say it back. I thought that was cool. Yeah, uh, that's that's beautiful, man. All right. Yeah. 
And then, so, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's hear the fiery one. Let's do the fiery <laughs> one, man. This one's a this one's a bit longer. And uh, and I wrote this I wrote this piece years ago because uh, I was having a conversation with an ex girlfriend, and we were sitting out on this porch where I was living, and like it was during the daytime, and uh, and we were talking about love and and like how we want to be loved and um and i was like yeah you know i just want i just want to be like somebody's favorite thing like like a like a work of art and uh like just to be treasured you know and uh and she she turned and she looked at me and she's like oh god like i do <laughs> not want to be loved like that and i was like what i was, I was shocked you know like what do you mean like you don't want to be someone's favorite thing like what are you talking about and uh and she's like no and i was like well how do you want to be loved and she's like i just want to be free like i just want to feel free and uh and i was like what like <laughs> free like i want to what and so it was like a <laughs> it was like a really interesting moment right where where and we've been dating at this time for like two years or something yeah. And uh, and it's, so it's kind of funny to realize like we had no idea how the other wanted to be loved, which is a powerful thing in itself. But um, then it got me thinking about, you know, like, how do I want to be loved and all the different ways that you can be. And so then I, I wrote this article online and uh, it's on uh, Thought Catalog's website. And then like a year later or so, I, I came back to it or somebody shared it or something. And I was like, huh, like, I like that. I, I wonder if that could be like a spoken word piece. And um, yeah, and so I memorized the thing and a friend of mine was visiting and he's a, a, a photographer and we, we made a video, like we drank a shot of tequila and decided to make a video. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and then yeah. yeah, man. And so like, I, so then this thing became a thing, and I shared it on the internet, and um, and yeah. So so it's called. Uh, this is how I want to be loved. Right. Sweet. All right. All right. This is how I want to be loved. I want to be loved like this, with raw abundance and a great first kiss. I want to be held and told soft jokes. And in the morning, I want to be grabbed and groped and shoved out of bed in full control of my day and my dreams, knowing that I am enough, that my soul overflows. I want to be sought like art, someone's awe-inspiring masterpiece or favorite thing. I want days like gallery openings and nights captured in crooked frames on walls too tall to scale with views too bold to tame. I want your jaw to drop when you think about me. I want to gobsmack you with how fucking sensational I am. And I want your favorite part of me to be when I'm comfortably being me, when I'm proudly myself, audaciously authentic, openly and vulnerably declaring that I am scared, hurt, weak, or worse. When I've sunk to rock bottom, on legs too tired to stand, everywhere I look, I want to see your hand. I want to be held up and helped up, but not too much. Be my safety net. Support me without supporting me. Give me space to fall and fail, but let me know you're always there. And I want fingertips that glance my skin like warm whispers sent from your lips, telling me of hopes in you and dreams come true. Fantasy come to life and fiction turned non, and I want to be turned on by thoughts of you and me and what comes next. I hunt for hallelujah moments and yearn for you and me epiphanies. Honor me. 
humble me, humor me. Let's live wild and free. I want mind-blowing, soul-shaking, toe-curling, giggle-inducing, don't stop, won't stop, gawky galaxies inside my eyes, and then I'll bite my lip as you devour my thighs, fuck me, senseless kind of sex. Loudly. Often. Help me understand myself. Ask the tough questions and demand honest answers. See through my bullshit and call me out on it. Loudly. And often. Redecorate my life with me. Raid the cluttered rooms in my mind and dust off the dreams we find beneath heavy piles of wasted time and useless worn out excuses. Let's spruce us up, infuse something special into the everyday main, everyday plain Jane kind of existence I so desperately long to avoid. Let's add sparkles to stares, glitter to groans. Let's make moans like miracles and find God when our eyes talk. Mm. Because I want to be loved freely and openly with fields of feelings to frolic in and safe places to stay when I need to leave, to breathe, to be, to get away from us and them and this and that. And when it's all said and done and the darkness is gone, look in my eyes and let me know you're still there, that you won't go away when I need you most because I want stares like stargazing and I want heat like comet tails on winter nights when it's cold but warm and everything feels so right. We think there's something wrong with every song we've never heard, every scene we've seen before. And I want the dim stars and dark skies to match the calm stares in your eyes when you look at me, speechless and hopeful. And I want to know there and then, now and again, I want to truly know what it feels like to feel alive. So give me truth, or give me death. I simply want to be loved like that. Ooh. Hello. You just took us to the love church. <laughs> I'm about to shout right now. Okay. I'm about to do it. Oh, my goodness. Man. That's it, man. That's how I want to be loved. And then, like, the interesting question is, how do you want to be loved? If you're listening right now, like, talked about curiosity. We talked about claiming the life you want. Like, how do you want to be loved? You know, if you don't know the answer to that, you'll never, you'll never get that love. Isn't it wonderful though, that we, we are the creators of it. Yeah. You know, you talk about creating a life, right. That would make you jealous. Mm -hmm. It is in that beauty of saying, this is how I want to be loved. So, uh, that was epic. Absolutely epic. Thank you, brother. Oh man. Well, I want to thank you for blessing this conversation with your just your passion your insight your experience the depth of your love and totally making kindness cool i'm gonna buy your book and i'm gonna be i shoot i'm gonna like just take post-it notes today and just <laughs> you know leave it somewhere but words, words are powerful things man like- they are Scripts, script your life, like hanging at the bathroom when you brush your teeth, like stare at the thing. Like, what do you need to hear? Like tell yourself yeah. that thing more often, man. Yeah, thank, I j- thank you to you, brother, for, uh, <laughs> for doing you and for overcoming all the things that you have, man. I know you've, you've walked a long road and you're doing some really amazing stuff here. And, uh, and just honor, honoring you for being brave enough to start this podcast just to launch your events, to do all the things you're doing, man. It's inspiring. And, uh, and it's been real fun to be able to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I much love to you and we're connected in this work. And for those of you 
who want to continue to glean more from this man, I encourage you to um, follow him. I'm going to get all your contact information in the show notes, but um, share with everyone really quickly where they can find you on social and if they want to write you, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm on Instagram at long distance love bombs. I have a, an online headquarters, long distance love bombs.com. I've got the podcast long distance love bombs podcast that I started last year. And the other thing that's really exciting for me that I do want to plug is, uh, I've got some events coming up. So we just launched two days ago, uh, a new year's Eve retreat in Costa Rica. Oh, yeah, man, it's going to be ridiculous. So me and two friends, um, we're having a six day retreat, um, December 28th to January 3rd. So there's details about that on, uh, online. And uh, if you're in Australia, I'm doing a thing in Byron Bay in August, and I'm doing a, a meditation retreat in August in uh, just outside of London, England. So wow. I'll be on the move here for the next little bit. But uh, yeah, that's a great way to like come and dive into all of the concepts that we discussed in real life and like really devote some time and space to yourself and getting clear on all this stuff. So if you want to come live yes. in the jungle with me over New Year's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And are these retreats, are they, are there limited um, spaces, you know, for them or? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we try to keep them pretty intimate just so that like you get to know each other. Like sure. I, I've been to events, like really huge events and like you barely get to talk to the person leading the thing. And um, so in Costa Rica, I think we're limiting it to 20. Um, okay. And so that's me and two other coaches. Um, and then the thing in Australia, we're limiting it to seven people living in the house with us. And then like another couple spots, um, the people that can come and do the workshops. So intimate, man, it's, uh, it's about connection and like really getting to, to form a little little micro community for a couple of days to do some deep work. Wonderful. Well, um, listeners, do yourself a favor and continue to get a piece of him through, uh, watch his TEDx talk for sure. You know, um, visit his website and you'll see that all of Jeremy's just, uh, love exude all through his work. And of course you heard him today with, um, with your spoken word, which is beautiful. So thank you again, my brother. Thank you for coming in. For those of you who are listening, just remember that no matter what questions that life throws your way, Love is still the answer. Mm. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Lens of Love podcast. If today's episode brought value and insight, you can help us advance the movement and the message by doing these three things all at the same time. First of all, give us a shout out on the platform that you're listening on. And then a five-star rating would be absolutely amazing and appreciated. And then lastly, of course, is subscribe to the podcast so that you can join the love wave that is happening across the planet. Now, you can find me on Facebook at Love Joe and on Instagram at Love Joe underscore Lens of Love. And visit me on my website at joeitalic.com. Thanks again for listening. And always remember, love is still the answer.